0: He was once decried by the British press as the wickedest man in the world. But was Alester Crowley really all that bad? In this episode, I argue, maybe not. Maybe he's really just a trickster, and the joke is on anyone who takes him seriously. Stay tuned.
1: You are listening to the Spectral Skull Session, tales from the twilight world of myth, mystery, and imagination. The idea behind this podcast is that we explore claims about the occult, supernatural, and paranormal from an analytical standpoint. We're open to the existence of a world beyond the five senses, and we dismiss that dogmatic skepticism that insists that any story about the unexplained has to reduce to hallucinations, or swamp casts, but we're not committed to any particular theory or philosophy about what the paranormal is, and we realize that, whatever is out there, the answer is likely to be more complicated than any existing model or theory. What we bring to the table is small-s skepticism, a skepticism that we throw as much on the mainstream accounts as we do on the supernatural story. Okay, let's get started.
0: Well, this episode is a review of two of the greatest works of Aleister Crowley, The Book of the Law and The Book of Lies. The Book of the Law is the foundation for a religion that Crowley invented called Thelema. And uh, The Book of Lies is a collection of riddles and poems that got Aleister Crowley propelled to fame and greatness in the first place. So I wanted to review these books And I use these books to make a simple argument. Crowley is a trickster. The joke is on anyone who reads his works without actually paying attention to what they're saying. And this actually has a broader moral, a lesson I think that we can all learn about the value of reading. So here goes. Many people will roll their eyes and say, I already knew not to take Crowley seriously because he's a black magician or a Satanist or he was a drug-addled sex fiend who died of a heroin overdose. All of that is a bunch of rubbish. He condemned black magic. Uh, He called himself The Beast and often pretended to be Satan because his very religious Christian mother nicknamed him The Beast whenever he would act up. And while he did die of a heroin overdose, it was because he had asthma and the heroin was prescribed as medical treatment. They would have preferred to give him stimulant drugs, but they couldn't because of the war with Germany. The Germans were producing all the quality respiratory stimulants. Crowley couldn't get his hands on them. So instead he took heroin. Of course, that seems to have accelerated his demise. He was definitely a libertine though, and a practitioner of what he called sex magic, which can be distinguished from magic because it's not a trick. Sex magic is just the harnessing of the sex drive in order to help achieve higher levels of focus and attention in a magical ritual. But it should be noted, look, this is a very important historical person. First of all, he took over a major fraternal secret society that was operating in Europe, the Ordo Templi Orientis. And he didn't just take it over um, by means of staging a vote. Or seizing control by force they actually just put him in charge because they were so impressed by his book of the lies he then turned that society into the basis for his own religion Thelema which has had significant influence on occultism into the 20th and 21st centuries 20 years after his death he enjoyed a revival in the 60s and 70s as part of the American countercultures exploration of drug sex and consciousness Timothy Leary for example talks about Crowley and his work in some of his lectures and writings. Um, the Beatles have often said that Crowley is Sergeant Pepper of the Sergeant Pepper Lonely Hearts Club band. It was 20 years ago today Sergeant Pepper taught the band to play. They've been going in and out of style, but they're guaranteed to raise a smile. So the going in and out of style is a reference to Crowley losing popularity when he dies in the late 40s and then them being part of the revival of interest in Crowley in 1967. But guaranteed to raise a smile, the Beatles seem to have hit it right on the nose. Crowley was a jokester and a trickster. Professor Jason Josephus Storm, in his book The Myth of Disenchantment, argues that Crowley was majorly influenced by the Golden Ball, which was a popular work of anthropological religion published by a man named Frazier. In the 19th century, the Golden Ba basically tried to bring together various different folk tales from around the European continent and create a taxonomy or a structured way of thinking about folk religion. Crowley was inspired by this. He wanted to do the same thing with occultism. So he worked on astrology, tarot cards, magic. He traveled the, the Far East and studied Tantra. With various yogis. He was part of the theosophical societies in Europe. So these were societies that, you know, they were trying to find out, is there some factual basis for the various myths of European legend. He joined Freemasonry, various um, secretive organizations around Europe. He joined a lot of different secret societies and he was very good at rising through the ranks because he was an intelligent man who could read And let me say quickly, um, as an aside, you know, if you ever, I don't do tarot cards, I don't have any interest in that, but um, if you've ever messed around with a tarot deck, most people use what's called the Thoth deck today, and that deck was literally designed by Crowley himself based on his studies of European esotericism and occultism. So I think it's important to know, this guy had a real scholarly life, I think that's part of why he's a bonafide occultist, but when it comes to the religion that he develops, which is Thelema, that religion, I shall argue, is a bit of a joke. We're about to get to that. So, let me tell you the very strange story of how Thelema became a world religion. In 1913, Crowley published a collection of riddles called The Book of Lies. It is 91 pages in it, and it has 91 chapters. Every page is one chapter, and they're just little poems that are supposed to be riddles. They contain secret messages. Let me just read you one at random so you get a sense of what this is like. Chapter 2, The Cry of the Hawk. Whore, H-O-O-R, hath a secret fourfold name. It is Do What Thou Wilt. Four words, colon, not one, many, all. Thou, child, thy name is holy, thy kingdom is come, thy will is done. Here is the bread, here is the blood. Bring us through temptation, deliver us from good and evil. That mine is thine, be the crown of the kingdom, even now, Abrahadabra. These ten words are four, the name of the one. Now, the version of the Book of the Lies that I own contains a commentary by Crowley that he added a couple of years later. In the commentary, he says that this chapter is about the Egyptian god Horus, and it's a version of the Lord's Prayer suitable for Horus. And uh, then he says that it can be compared with the Kabbalistic doctrine of the Ten Seprahoth as an expression of the Tetragrammaton. 1 plus 2 plus 3 plus 4 equals 10. It is now seen that this hawk is not solar but mercurial. Hence the words, the cry of the hawk, the essential part of mercury, being his voice, and the number of the chapter B which is Beth, the letter of Mercury, the Magus of the Tarot, who has four weapons. It must be remembered this card is numbered one again, connecting all these symbols with the phallus. The essential weapon of Mercury is the caduceus. So the commentary there is a little bit of word salad, but you can hear that he's trying to mix together astrology, tarot card, um, as well as Egyptian religion, and Kabbalah. this This is the synthetic Crowley, the great scholar. Now, anyway, so Crowley writes this book, And uh, I don't know how well received it was, but he writes, Shortly after publication, the outer head of the Ordo Templi Orientis came to me. He said that since I was acquainted with the supreme secret of the order, I must be allowed the ninth grade and obligated to regard to it. I protested. I knew no such secret. He said, but you have printed it in the plainest language. I said that I could not have done so because I did not know it. He went to the bookshelves, taking out a copy of the Book of Lies. He pointed to a passage in the despised chapter. It instantly flashed upon me. The entire symbolism, not only of Freemasonry but of many other traditions, blazed upon my spiritual vision. From that moment, the OTO assumed its proper importance in my mind. I understood that I held in my hands the key to the future progress of humanity. So Crowley wrote this book, and then this secret society called the Ordo Templi Orientis came to him and said, you need to be of the ninth grade of our order, because you already know our secrets. And it's generally thought that that chapter was uh, chapter 69. I'll just read that to you too. Chapter 69, the way to succeed and the way to suck eggs. This is the holy hexagram. Plunge from the height, O God, and interlock with man. Plunge from the height, O man, and interlock with beast. The red triangle is the descending tongue of grace. The blue triangle is the ascending tongue of prayer. The interchange, the double gift of tongues, the word of great power, Abrahadabra, is the sign of the great work. For the great work is accomplished in silence. And behold, is not that word equal to Sheth, that is Cancer, whose sigil is, and then there's a symbol here, not a word. It's the astrological sign for cancer. Continuing, this word also eats up itself, accomplishes its own end, nourishes the worker, leaves no seed, is perfect in itself. Little children love one another. Now let me just read to you the first paragraph of the commentary. The key to the understanding of this chapter, chapter 69, is given in the number and the title. The former being intelligible to all nations, employ Arabic figures, the latter only to experts in deciphering English puns. So I will leave the working out of the secret meaning of this chapter as an exercise to the reader, but it shouldn't take much intelligence to figure out what's going on here. You can guess what the secret of the OTO was and why Mr. Crowley was declared to be an important person in their eyes, somebody who had to become part of the OTO within two years Crowley had been, been placed in charge of OTO operations in Great Britain and Ireland. So this European secret society, they believed that they were in possession of the secret practices of the Knights Templar, uh, the Illuminati, Rosicrucians. they had the secret esoteric teachings that bind together all important European secret societies throughout the last 2,000 years. And they thought Crowley had figured it all out in the Book of Lies. And that's why they made him an important guy in their organization. Now, I just want to say something about this. So I've read the Book of Lies many times in my life. I've often tried to make sense of its puzzle poems. And some of them are easier to understand than others. A lot of them, like I said earlier, they presuppose a significant understanding of astrology, tarot, Uh, Egyptian religion, all sorts of different things. But let's just look at the front of this book. I'm going to read you the full title that nobody ever reads. The Book of Lies, which is also falsely called Breaks, the wanderings or falsifications of the one thought Frater Perdurabo, Alistair Crowley, which thought is itself untrue. So it's saying it's a book of Like deviations, wanderings, or falsifications of the one thought of uh, Crowley, which is itself not true. So the book tells you, at the beginning, it is a book of lies. It's a book of things that are not true. They are false. And to really ram this thought home, they provide you a photo of Crowley dressed, uh, it's sort of appropriating, uh, he's got a shawl on him and he's riding a donkey. And so the caption is Frater Perdurabo. So I think they seem to be implying that he's some sort of South American shaman here. But we know he's not a South American shaman. He's a very white, bald Englishman. If you're not getting it yet, let me read you chapter 77. The title is The Sublime and Supreme Septenary in its Mature Magical Manifestation Through Matter, colon, as it is written, colon, and He Goat also chapter contains one word, Layla. L-A-Y-L-A-H. Oh, and then on the next page, there's a photograph of Layla. She's a black-haired woman, very beautiful, appears to be in her early 20s, long hair, a lot of bangs, and um, she's wearing a tight shirt with a sort of cross over the chest, and she's got her hands folded in a sort of prayerful symbol, and the caption is, L period, A period, Y period, L period, A period, H period. Who is Layla? She's Crowley's girlfriend. That's who she was. So she is the sublime and supreme septenary in its mature magical manifestation, in case you were wondering. Chapter 39 is titled The Luby, and it contains the, it starts with the line, only lubies find excellence in these words. And it ends with the line, yet a luby to thee and a booby to me a Belasius ruby to God may be. The commentary tells us that the word luby is supposed to be the author. So that would be Crowley. Still not getting it? Let me read you chapter 88, Gold Bricks. Teach us your secret, master. Yap, my yahoos. Then for the hardness of their hearts and for the softness of their heads, I taught them magic. But alas, teach us your real secret, master, how to become invisible, how to acquire love, and, oh, beyond all, how to make gold. But how much gold will you give me for the secret of infinite riches? Then said the foremost and most foolish, Master, it is nothing, but here is a hundred thousand pounds. This did I deign to accept, and whispered in his ear this secret. A sucker is born every minute. So we're told it's the Book of Lies, written by a frater Puderabo, who is, uh, Crowley in a costume, and, uh, the half of these riddle poems are making fun of people who take Crowley seriously so my sense is that you know like look it tells you right off the bat it's the book of lies it's a big joke it's literally a joke and so Crowley is laughing at you he's literally telling you don't take me seriously for some bizarre reason people took him seriously so then Crowley basically takes over the OTO in Britain and Ireland. He expands the OTO into the United States, and he rewrites their rituals and their secrets to be focused around his religion, Thelema. Now, Thelema is the religion of Alistair Crowley, which supposedly came to him through his wife. The story is that he and his wife were on their honeymoon, and they stayed in the, uh, the Great Pyramid of Giza. They found a way to stay overnight, in the pyramid. And there, his wife became possessed by a spirit. It turned out this was the spirit of Horus. Horus is the Egyptian god of the sun in the sky. So um, Crowley makes contact with this spirit. Then the spirit tells him, it's actually not Horus. It's actually uh, Iwas. We're never really told what Iwas was. Uh, at this point, Crowley claimed that Iwas could speak directly to him. And Iwas dictated to Crowley the book of the law. This book of the law became the Bible of Crowley's religion, Thelema. Basic idea, do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. There is no law beyond do what thou wilt. Another central saying of Thelema is every man and every woman is a star. And love is the law, love under will. So it's a self-help religion. You're supposed to figure out what your will is, your true will. If you can figure that out, then the entire universe will orient itself towards making things happen for you. Um, You're also supposed to love other people, and you are a star. But many people in the OTO took the Lima and the Book of the Law very seriously. So I've talked in this show about Jack Parsons, the rocket engineer in Pasadena. There were people who thought that Parsons was alluded to in the Book of the Law, that there was a prophecy in the book. Uh, He was going to fulfill the prophecy. Now, let me say, I read the entire Book of the Law for this episode. Actually, I started skipping parts near the end, because it made no sense whatsoever. The Book of Lies, at least when I read it, I find it kind of entertaining, and uh, it's short little chapters, but the Book of the Law was completely incomprehensible to me, even though I'm told it's the central text of Thelema, Well, when I got to the end, it all made sense to me, because Crowley has... Helpfully included a commentary at the end. This is one of the redeeming things about Crowley. He was a real scholar. There was an academicness about him, I think is part of what makes him a bona fide occultist. Like I said, he produced that Thoth deck for tarot cards, right? He actually, he wrote a lot about astrology. He developed a system for cross-referencing different gods from different religions. Like telling you like, well, this God in the Babylonian system is equivalent to this God in the Egyptian system. So he did a lot of work on that kind of stuff. So he likes to include these commentaries. Let me just read this. The comment. This is at the end of the book. End of the book of the law. The comment. Do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. The study of this book is forbidden. It is wise to destroy this copy after the first reading. Whoever disregards this does so at his own risk and peril. These are most dire. Those who discuss the contents of this book are to be shunned by all as centers of pestilence, all questions of the law are to be decided only by appeal to my writings. Each for himself. There is no law beyond "Do what thou wilt." Love is the law. Love under will. The priest of the princes. And I can't read the last word because there aren't any vowels. So well, there's some vowels. Ank FN Kanushu. Um, it's pretty clear to me. The comment is saying, um, "Don't take this book seriously," right? So. The study of the book is forbidden. Destroy this copy after reading. If you discuss the book, you are to be shunned. Well, I'm not going to discuss it because I'm going to take Crowley at his word. I don't think he could have possibly meant for any intelligent person, any literary person who's reading something and trying to understand it, he couldn't have possibly meant for that person to have taken his book seriously because he specifically tells us in the commentary not to take it seriously just like he does with the Book of Lies. And so, look, let me say there's a tradition, you know, in Zen Buddhism, of, of uh, they're called cones. They're riddles that have no solution. Uh, and they're supposed to help you achieve enlightenment because they sort of snap you out of a rational way of looking at things. And, like, one famous riddle is, um, the riddle is like this, a uh, student asked his master, um you know, what is the Buddha nature of the dog? And the master replied, moo. And so that's sort of a joke because moo is the way they say, like, woof. And moo also means nothing. So it's like, well, what is the Buddha nature of the dog? He responds with a pun or a joke. And so there's a lot of Zen cones like that. So there's there's like a jokey and trickster element in some aspects of Zen. And so at best, I think you could read Crowley this way. He's a, he's a practical jokester. I think the joke is on you if you take his religion seriously, but then I would imply that I am enlightened. Well, I would like to say, I think I can lay claim to being enlightened with respect to Crowley. I've owned the book of lies since I was a teenager. I've read it many times and, um, really, it wasn't until recently that it started to dawn on me. Like the book says it's a book of lies. It says that it's all not true, so shouldn't I, if I'm taking the book seriously, regard it as a joke? And so I think that's it. I think Crowley wanted to teach us to um, maybe not get too obsessed with him. Maybe that's his lesson. Don't be obsessed with Crowley. And this may also explain why he was important in the 1960s counterculture, because much of the counterculture spirituality was a subversive spirituality. It was about sort of, you know, not taking religion seriously. So I suspect that's why they, people like the Beatles adopted Crowley, uh, as their sort of, uh, inspiration for the Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club. Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band. There you have it. Lester Crowley. He was a scholar. He did some real occult work, synthesizing different traditions and making a new tarot card deck for us all to use. Of course, I don't do that, but, um, I think the big lesson here is when you start to read a book for yourself, you can form your own opinion, and the opinion I form is that I'm not going to take Crowley too seriously. For the Spectral Skull Session, I have been Dane. Stay strange and stay sane.